Hi, welcome to Bookie, which unlock big ideas from world bestsellers in audio, text, and mind map. Please download Bookie at Apple Store or Google Play with more features. Get your free mind snack now. Today we will unlock the book Sapiens, a brief history of humankind. East Africa, 2 million BC, it was a stretch of lush grassland covered by a sea of bright greenness after the rainy season. Above the distant horizon were a few pale cumulus clouds scattered across the azure sky. A gutted giraffe lied underneath a tall acacia tree, while a pride of lions gnawed on it. In a secluded spot in the grass next to the tree, hounds and jackals waited quietly. By the time the lions had left the area, hounds and jackals swarmed and feasted on the giraffe until all that's left was a skeleton, then they departed contentedly. At this moment, Another group of creatures very human-like and somewhat chimpanzee-like walked out of the bushes a little further. The group of creatures had arms and legs but walked upright. After carefully gathering around the giraffe skeleton and vigilantly surveying their surroundings, the creatures chiseled the giraffe's bones with several sharp stones. They dug out the only edible tissue that remained, marrow. The Surface of the Moon 1969 the plains and plateaus composed of plagioclase and basalt were dotted with meteor craters of breccia. Since the atmosphere was thin and almost non-existent, the sunlight shining onto the grayish-white pitted ground was directly reflected into space. It not only resulted in considerable land surface temperature difference but also turned the sky pitch black. For billions of years since its birth, this place had been dead and quiet. Until this day, there had been no sign of life except for occasional visits by meteorites. A strange metallic device appeared in the distant sky and landed after quickly approaching. Two creatures in white but outlandish attire descended from the machine above. They bounced clumsily on the ground, inserted flags, and erected a metal tablet on this patch of land. Then one of them made a footprint in the ground and said, that's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. At this point, it should be clear to everyone that both stories are about ourselves as humans. Not so long ago, we were just weaklings on the prairie. We lived a life of fear and anxiety, feeding on raw bloody meats. But in a short amount of time, we created a colossal global civilization. By what force did we as a species rise to power? Where did humankind originate? And how was civilizations born? How did we stick out from many other species and jump to the top of this planet's food chain? How many more mysteries are there in the history of humankind? In today's review of Sapiens, A Brief History of Humankind, we will clear these doubts and explore the essential questions of history and modern society. The author of this book is Yuval Harari. Born in Israel, Harari is a history professor at the Hebrew University of Jerusalem. He is a world-renowned historian and a rising star in the field of history. His focus areas incorporate history, anthropology, ecology, genetics, and other academic disciplines. From a macroscopic point of view in his research, he frequently yields perspectives that are not only innovative but also afford much food for thought. Hence, his works are highly sought after by readers from all walks of life. We've already covered his best-selling books 21 Lessons for the 21st Century, and Homo Deus, A Brief History of Tomorrow. The book Sapiens A Brief History of Humankind that we're going to discuss today became an international hit once published. 
It is a phenomenal and unique work that has become popular worldwide. Next, we will uncover the book through four parts. Part 1, The Cognitive Revolution. Part 2, The Agricultural Revolution. Part 3, The Unification of Humankind. Part 4, The Scientific Revolution. In your impression, where did humankind come from? Did it come from God? For those of you familiar with the theory of evolution, you will naturally know that humans are just a kind of ordinary animal. We are not special beings that are vastly different and independent from all other creatures on this planet. We are merely the more conspicuous species among thousands of others. Homo sapiens hope to be different from all other animals, to have no siblings, no close or distant relatives, and most importantly, no parents. Unfortunately, that is not true. Six million years ago, a female ape gave birth to two daughters. One became the ancestor of all chimpanzees, and the other became the grandmother of all humans. About 2.5 million years ago, Australopithecus evolved into very human-like animals, which were nothing special compared to other creatures in the habitat. Moreover, they didn't necessarily have more impact on the environment than gorillas, fireflies, and jellyfish. Let's revisit East Africa of 2 million years ago. Some of these archaic humans left their homeland to forage further afield. They left their footprints all over vast areas of North Africa, Europe, and Asia. In Western Eurasia, they evolved into bulky and muscular Neanderthals. In eastern regions of Asia, they developed into the longest surviving human species Homo erectus. On the tropical islands of Indonesia, they changed into dwarf Homo floresiensis. In Siberia, they turned into the Denisovan. And in East Africa, Homo rudolfensis, Homo ergaster, and other species appeared one after the other, and we Homo sapiens were of course included. Yes, humankind was created naturally in this way. You may ask, so, are there many human species living on the earth right now? Well, it might be the case in the past as we had many brothers and sisters living together back then. However, since about 10,000 years ago, Homo sapiens was the only species left on the planet. Nowadays, when we mention the word humans, we are explicitly referring to Homo sapiens, or all of us residing on earth today. So in a way, it's understandable that we are accustomed to seeing ourselves as unique beings in the whole of nature. After all, we are already used to being the only humans. However, if in addition to Homo sapiens, there were several human species still living with us, what would the world look like? Would the Bible have said that Neanderthals have souls just like Homo sapiens? Would the Quran have treated Homo rudolfensis equally by reserving seats in heaven for them? Would Confucius have preached that we should also treat the Denisovan with benevolence and courtesy? Would Homo ergaster have served in the Roman legions? Would Homo erectus have become a civil servant in the imperial court of China? Would the American Declaration of Independence hold as a self-evident truth that all members of the genus Homo are created equal? Would Karl Marx have urged workers of all species to unite? Over the past 10,000 years, Homo sapiens has long grown accustomed to being the only human species. People of this species assume themselves to be the epitome of creation. They are entirely different from the rest of the animal kingdom. 
When Charles Darwin indicated that Homo sapiens was just another kind of animal, people were outraged. Even today, many refuse to believe it. Had the Neanderthals survived, would we still imagine ourselves to be a creature apart? Unfortunately, we are unable to prove it, and all of our brothers and sisters have disappeared from history long ago. But how did they vanish? How come there's only one seedling left in the once so prosperous human family? Where on earth did other human species go? It might be the darkest secret of Homo sapiens. With a bit of reasoning, you may be able to guess that the rise of Homo sapiens and competition inevitably go hand in hand. The most likely deduction at this point is that they have all been exterminated by Homo sapiens. A moderate interpretation is that 70,000 years ago, Homo sapiens from East Africa expanded to the Arabian Peninsula and swept across the entire Eurasian continent. Of course, they also reached the homeland where Neanderthals had lived for hundreds of thousands of years. Technological advancement, excellent social skills, superior hunting, and gathering abilities contributed to the robust growth of the Homo sapiens population. On the contrary, Neanderthals lived in dire straits and had a much harder time subsisting. Hence, their population declined and they became extinct. But there is another possibility, due to the growing intensity of competition for resources, violent conflict or even genocide broke out in the end. After all, tolerance has never been a trademark of sapiens. If you look up ancient, modern, and contemporary histories, you can find many massacres and genocides that have been carried out because of minor differences in skin colors, dialects, and religions. But we are talking about two genuinely different species in the biological sense, so how can we expect our ancestors to be tolerant? Whichever of these two scenarios is true, in short, whenever Homo sapiens arrived at a new location, the local human group would be wiped out quickly. For example, Homo soloensis disappeared about 50,000 years ago, Denisovan soon followed it to oblivion, Neanderthals retired from history about 30,000 years ago, Homo floresiensis was gone forever 12,000 years ago. Some keen listeners may have thought of a new question, if even so many species of humans, including the muscular cold-resistant Neanderthals who had a larger brain volume than sapiens had been eradicated from Earth, what would happen to the other animal species? Yes, the catastrophe had just begun for the biosphere. Humankind did not come from Noah's Ark after the flood. We brought the flood, it was the human flood that destroyed the world. First, we ravaged Asia, Africa, and Europe, and then we made our way to Oceania 45,000 years ago. This place was full of wombats, marsupial lions, and half-done diprotodons, enjoying a comfortable life. Thousands of years later, out of the 24 species of animals that weighed more than 50 kilograms in Oceania, 23 became extinct. Across Australia, more than 90% of megafauna disappeared from history forever. About 16,000 years ago, we trekked across northern Siberia again to the Americas. This place was full of saber-toothed cats, Native American camels, and oversized lions, not to mention the giant ground sloths that reached heights of up to 6 meters, weighed up to 8 tons, and a variety of unknown reptiles and birds. After two millennia, 34 of the 47 genera of large mammals had vanished from North America, and 50 of the 60 genera had disappeared from South America. 
3,000 years ago, on Vrangel Island in the Arctic Ocean, a baby mammoth opened its eyes in the wee hours of the morning. Little did it realize that this mammoth family of the snowy and icy region was the last of their species in this corner of the planet. Soon, a mysterious object drifted towards the shore with some strange creatures standing on it. These fur-wearing creatures stood upright and pointed their long sharp poles in their hands at the young elephant. Little did the calf know that these hideous creatures were going to do something that global warming had been failing to accomplish over several millennia. Just like this, the rise of humankind occurred. This process was genuinely lamentable, but we should not judge our ancestors too harshly. For such a calamity didn't involve any moral judgment, but merely the sudden birth of a powerful force that had taken the ecosystem by surprise and even caught humans off guard. What did that mean? For millions of years, humans stayed in the middle of the food chain. They would hunt small animals, pick fruits, and were occasionally preyed upon by other large carnivores. And yet tens of thousands of years ago, Homo sapiens suddenly emerged and jumped to the top of the food chain. Such a leap from the middle to the top would take other animal species millions of years. As sapiens spread their footprint around the world, it was too late for the ecosystem to develop checks and balances. Therefore, this series of disasters including many historical apocalypses of humankind were caused by the quick jump from the middle to the top of the pyramid. So what were unique advantages that allowed humans to take such a leap in a split second? One of them was the fire. About 800,000 years ago, a handful of humans had made occasional use of fire. 300,000 years ago, the use of fire had become commonplace. Humans could use fire as a source of light and heat or use it to compete with lions. They could even turn impassable and uneconomic jungles into fertile fields. Even a weak woman could torch an entire forest in a matter of hours. Meanwhile, from smoldering embers, humans could obtain crispy delicious roasted animals, nuts, and tubers. Cooking reduced eating time and allowed humans to digest food better. Another unique advantage was language. About 70,000 to 30,000 years ago, some accidental genetic mutations allowed Homo sapiens to begin communicating in a completely new type of language. The complicated and flexible use of language enables us to absorb, store, and deliver an astonishing amount of information and understand the world around us, thus facilitating our social cooperation. This language not only allows us to discuss the details of how to organize ourselves for hunting with the entire tribe but also makes us gossip about our social relationships. Accordingly, we can establish tighter and more complex forms of cooperation to expand our tribe. However, the maximum natural size of a group bonded by gossip is about 150 individuals. Above this number, humans can no longer gain insight into a group situation. To cross this threshold, Homo sapiens would need the third advantage, the appearance of fiction. Humans have invented and told one another many stories. Furthermore, they have created mythical concepts such as religions, nations, governments, laws, corporations, human rights, justice, currencies, ghosts, gods, and so on. These things exist only in the common imagination of human beings and don't exist in nature. But as long as large numbers of strangers buy the story, they can work together to found cities and nations. 
Two lawyers who have never met can nevertheless combine efforts to defend a stranger because they both believe in the existence of laws and justice. Two Serbs who have never met might risk their lives to save one another because both believe in the existence of the Serbian nation. Employees of different nationalities can work for an organization because they believe in the very existence of the company. This is the power of fiction. This power has allowed us to make it to the top of the food chain finally. We have approached the end of the first part, the cognitive revolution. We learned about the story of humanity's origin. The gradual mastery of fire, language, and fictional powers led to their successful emergence during evolution. Next, let's look at how humans created civilizations after jumping to the top of the food chain. Today we are just sharing limited content. To unlock more key insights of world-class bestseller please download our app. Just search for B-O-O-K-E-Y at Apple Store or Google Play. Get your free mind snack now.